Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 14, if you want to grab your Bible. John's three quarters of the way through the Bible, chapter 14. You can use your phone if you would like. While you're getting there, I want to ask a question. What's your response when you get some sort of internal tug to do something? Now, I'm not talking about your spouse or your kids tugging at you to go someplace or the nudge from someone when you do something silly. That's not what I'm talking about. But what goes through your brain when you get one of those tugs? Let me give you some examples. Can I give you some examples? Are we good? Okay, here's some examples. Here's the first example of this, uh, this last week, Diane Shoemaker. Uh, some of you may know Diane. This is actually a picture of Diane and her family. Uh, Dan- Diane and I were talking, and she was describing that she was taking her parents, who are a little older, uh, out to eat. And as she was helping them get out of the car, she realized that someone close to them was struggling. They were an elderly couple struggling to get the person in the wheelchair up to get their hair cut. They were like in the like mid-parking lot. And, they, and so she had this tug, like, I have to leave my parents. I have to help this couple. Like they're struggling. It's that internal, do you know what I mean, that internal tug? Or how about this, you're reading scripture, Second example, you're reading the Bible, and you may have read this verse like three or four or ten times, but for some reason, that verse is now sticking out. Like it's almost, it's like, and it sticks with you the whole day, and you have no idea why. It's like that little internal tug going on. Or what about this example? This one might be a little different. This last, uh, it was actually three weeks ago. Uh, teaching a class here at the church, a fit class, faith and training. And the class was on if God is good. And at the end of class, what we wanted to do is we wanted to listen to see if we should pray for something. We do this at the end of services sometimes. We'll listen and see if God might nudge us a little bit to pray for a specific thing. And so I was interacting with a few folks and someone said, well, we, we should pray for anxiety. Well, that's always a good one, right? Because world today, uh, there's a number of us who are anxious, and so we got to pray over a group of people who had anxiety. Someone else heard uh, uh, pink eye. Well, that's pretty specific, and a couple of teachers stood up because it's like when you're in school, kids have pink eye. And so we were able to pray over them. And then I, earlier in the evening, had this tug And it was this thought that went through my brain, and the thought was pea-sized calcification. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Pea, like a little snow pea, Pea pea-sized calcification. And it was so odd, I wrote it down on my piece of paper. And so I got up in front of, there's about 60 people in class, and I said, this may not hit anyone, it's so specific. I said, "Uh, but here's what I heard, might not be right, pea-sized calcification. And then I looked out, not expecting anything to happen, looked over this way, this way, and off to my left, I heard just a little commotion, and Carla Woodcox, this is a picture of uh, Carla and Randy, maybe you know her, 
her and her daughter were sitting there, and her daughter explained, and then she explained that the day before, she had a pea-sized calcification taken out, and they were checking it for cancer cells and would know a week from now. Whoa, that's weird, isn't it? So I want to ask you, on those three promptings, I want to ask you what's going through your brain when I describe those three things. Because I want to share a little bit about my journey when I would hear those things. Because the first time when I would hear those things, this was years ago, I would do this. I think we've got a list here. The first thing I would do is I would use logic and I would reason my way through it. I would look at the Diane Shoemaker story and I'd say, well, she's just being nice. That's what we're supposed to do. Or I would read scripture and something would pop out and I would think, well, it's just popping out. It's just happenstance, right? Or I would hear stories about pea-sized calcification and I would think to myself, you know what? Because I was in healthcare. Some of you know I was in healthcare for about 20 years. I, I would explain to everyone, you know what? It's healthcare. It's a bunch of people in the room. Odds are it's going to hit. Like it's just some random thing. Any logic reason people in the room? Be honest. Right? That's okay. I was there. I get it. What about this? One response could be, that's just creepy. <laughs> right? That, that's weird. I don't know about it. I don't want to learn about it. And it's, it's I'm, no. <laughs> Any of those people. It's okay. Right? What about the third group? Maybe it's this. What about the Holy Spirit? And there might be a group in the room that are thinking, finally, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, right? My journey in sort of this uh, Holy Spirit discussion has been those three things, has been I, I could logic and reason my way out of almost anything. At one point, I thought, this is weird. And now I'm at a point of, what if that is the Holy Spirit? And do I know him well enough that if he pushed me, if he nudged me, I would follow it. Now, just a quick note on the Holy Spirit. Many of you know this. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. When you read scripture, the Holy Spirit is from Genesis to Revelation, right? From Gen- You see him all over the place. Here's just a couple of examples. And these examples, I think, are even tugs that he provides people. So here, here's the first one. This is King Saul, 1 Samuel 10, 10. says this. When he, this is King Saul, and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. And then look at this. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what he felt. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit rested on him and prompted him to do something. It's in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament. What about this one? Acts 13. There's some disciples hanging around. They're sort of wondering what their next step is. It says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, look at this, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for for the work to which I've called them. So the Holy Spirit, in the midst of, you know, four or five people, Set, I don't know if it was audible, I don't know if they felt, but there was this tug of, here's what we should do. One more. Acts 16, I like this one. 
Acts 16, Paul is going from town to town to town to, to talk about Jesus. And it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phygia and Galatia. Look at this. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. So here's what I, in my brain, here's what I see. Paul is trying to go someplace, go to a town, and he feels some prompting, some tug, and it keeps him from going to the next town. The Holy Spirit shows up all through Scripture. These tugs, I think we get them more often than we believe. And so here's the question I want to pose. I think the question will come up on the screen. What's our response to the internal Holy Spirit tug? And not every tug has to be the Holy Spirit, but I really, like, in this scripture this weekend, I really want to explore, do we really know the Holy Spirit? Enough that if he started tugging at us, we would follow it. You know, one of the, uh, one of the things I would love to do is to take all the crazy Holy Spirit stories in uh, the book of Acts or share with you some of the great things I have seen the Holy Spirit do that would be amazing. But what I realize is, and I even posted this on Facebook, if you had one question about Holy Spirit, what would it be? And I had a lot of people s send me questions. Here's what I realize. There's some missing pieces as it relates to our understanding of Holy Spirit. We've got some missing pieces in the midst of that. So hold that thought. We're actually in a series called Missing Pieces where we're rediscovering the, the essentials of genuine faith and here's my mission today. My mission is to try to fill in a basic foundation, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, to fill in those missing pieces. So when we get those tugs, we actually know the Holy Spirit well enough that we would act upon those tugs. Does that make sense? That's where we're going today. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, good. John 14 is where we're going to be. John 14, I'm going to start in verse 15. We're going to bounce just a little bit around. This is Jesus talking. You should read this whole passage, this whole section of Scripture this week. It's just beautiful. And he says this. He's actually promising the Holy Spirit. He says this. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not let you, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live in you. You also will live. Bounce to verse 26. Jesus says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So in that section of scripture, I think Jesus provides probably the, the best rudimentary, basic description of what the Holy Spirit is being sent to do and will fill those missing pieces in our faith. So before I jump into those two areas, let me pray. So God, it's our hope today to understand 
the Holy Spirit better. Because our journey would be different each day. So we pray, God, that uh, today you would be with us, that you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts to what you would have us learn about the Holy Spirit. It's so important. So help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you grab your program, on the back side of it, there's a couple of fill-in-the-blanks that will help guide us today. So here's what I see. We should know the Holy Spirit because without him, it's all on us. Without him, it's all on us. If we look at verse 16, Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He'll give you an advocate. I want to focus for a few minutes on that word advocate to make sure we understand it. And to do that, I want to take us back to sort of the historical context to what Jesus is saying to his disciples. So his disciples, who are listening to him talk, would have been taught from an early age that there would, there's a coming Messiah. There's someone, there's a Savior coming, and when the Savior comes, everything's going to change. And the people around him are sort of getting it. They're following him, and they're believing that Jesus is the Messiah. They're seeing great ministry happen. They're seeing miracles break out. He's amazing. And then all of a sudden, sort of mid-story, he goes, and I'm leaving. Can you imagine the tension in the midst of that? Like, you're the Messiah, you can't leave. And so he starts to describe, no, 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 I have to, and I'm going to send an advocate. And I, I want to look at that word advocate. Here's what it uh, means in the Greek. It's actually two words. It'll come up on the screen. Para, some of you have heard this paraclete or para, parakletos. Para is from close beside, and kleto is to make a call. It's like a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because he's close enough to the situation. So Jesus is explaining, I'm going to have to go, but there's going to be someone who's so close to you all the time that they're going to make the right call. So close, in fact, if you look at verse 17, it says this, but you know him, this is Jesus, for he lives with you and will be in you. It's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. We've, many of us have heard this before. But what I find fascinating, you read about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit comes upon people and then leaves. In the New Testament, he comes in us. Right now, he comes in us. He's that close. You can write this in. The Holy Spirit's close enough to make a call in every situation. The Holy Spirit in your life, when you say yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He is close enough in every situation to make a call. The Diane Shoemaker earlier, helping her parents and looking over, and yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to go do that. I need to go help that couple. Do you understand that? In every situation. If you look back to the disciples, boy, this was, thank goodness, the Holy Spirit's coming because the disciples were a confused group of people. So that the hangout with Jesus, Jesus is standing in front of 5,000 people. 
and they start talking about how they're going to feed them. It's a confusing, like, how are we going to feed 5,000 people? We don't have enough food. So I get that. Jesus multiplies the food. They feed 5,000. Just a few chapters later, they're in front of 4,000. And they're confused again where the food's going to come from. They need Jesus to again explain it. Mark 8, you can look this up later. They're in a boat after they fed the 5,000. They fed the 4,000. They're in a boat with Jesus, and they're arguing that they don't have enough bread. They don't get, they need some help because they can't do it on their own. And frankly, we need some help because we can't do it on our own. So, Jesus promises an advocate that's going to be as close as inside of you to make a call. So here's some of the help that he provides. Look at this, John 16, 8. When he, the advocate, comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. When we have the Holy Spirit and when we consider doing something that is called a sin, when we consider doing something bad or when we have done something bad, that feeling inside of you like, oh, I messed up, that is not gas. That's probably the Holy Spirit. It's probably the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Steve, don't do that. That's that feeling inside of you because one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to tell you it's a sin. Look at this, John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, look what he will do. He will guide you into all the truth. He'll not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And look at this. And he will tell you what is to come. I looked up uh, he will tell you in the Greek. Do you know what it means? He's going to tell you. It's super not complex. He's going to tell you about the truth. So not only is he going to convict you about sin, but he's going to point you back to the truth. It's why when we read scripture and something sticks out, I wonder if that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, pay attention. You need this. He's going to connect you back to truth. He helps us. And without him, we're a mess. I met someone online. So how many of you do Facebook? Even if you hate it, how many of you do Facebook? Many people in the room. So I do Facebook a little differently. So you know on the face, if you don't do Facebook, let me just describe it. You go online and you see people and what their lives, like they post, oh, today I'm eating whatever, right? You see all these things. But every time you log into Facebook, it also gives you a picture of someone and says, hey, do you know this person? Adam is a friend, right? Am I connecting with everybody? You get that? So here's what I do. I don't even care if I know them. I just add them. Bink, 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 bink. And then it scrolls. I don't know these people either. Bink, 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 bink. I know I'm a little odd. I'm not telling you to do that. So essentially what I've done over the last three months is I've added about a thousand people. I have no idea. I've never met them. But I wonder if they need Jesus. And so they can just see my feed. And it's amazing the people that I, that I run into that will tap me on the shoulder. If this is you, I'm sorry. They tap me on the shoulder and go, hey, we're Facebook friends. That's awesome. I don't know who you are. <laughs> right, but okay. So, you, you, so I Facebook, for, so I, in my Facebook feed, super interesting right now. 
so I'm, I go through it, like this is about a month ago, I go through it and I see this gentleman, I'm going to call him Leroy, Leroy, that's not his name, but I see this gentleman's uh, uh, picture and he's struggling. And uh, I have compassion for him because he seems like he has been successful in his past, but he's struggling now. And so uh, because I'm weird, I hit the Facebook Messenger thing and I sent him a message. And I said, Leroy, we have never met. I don't know you from anyone. But I like your, because a couple of the posts were actually pretty good. Uh, I said, uh, hey, notice this one thing. But I also notice you're struggling. Would you like to get coffee? Figuring that guy's never like creep. This is creepy, right? He's never going to say yes. About 10 minutes later, he responds back and says, sure. Cool. What am I going to say? <laughs> so we met for coffee. And it was interesting, let me tell you. And I tried, I probably didn't do it the best, but I tried to talk about God, and he knew a little bit, you know, he knew of Jesus, but from everything I could see, he probably wasn't a Christian, and his life was a mess, and he, did, he went on to describe that his help comes from three things. He was very bold about this. He said, my help comes from wine, women, and travel. And even when I say that, like, it tugs at my heart a little bit because he was across the table from me, and I was like, oh, those things are all temporary, man. It's just not going to work out well. And actually, like, 10 minutes before service, I saw another one of his posts, and it's not working out well. And I'm praying for him. You know why I'm praying? Because I absolutely am convinced 100% the only thing that guy needs is to say yes to Jesus Christ, get the Holy Spirit inside of him, and start being guided by truth. That's it. That's the only thing that's going to work forever. That's a really good point, Steve. Here's what I think. Without the Holy, without the Holy Spirit, Carla Woodcox would not have had 60 people in a class standing and praying for her three weeks ago for the pea-sized calcification. And guess what? A week later, she reported no cancer. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure how long the elderly couple in the wheelchair would have struggled to get where they were going, but they saw the love of Jesus in the midst of that. Without the Holy Spirit, we're on our own, and that's just hard. So we should know the Holy Spirit because without him, it's all on us. Second thing I see in the text, we should know the Holy Spirit because with him, we get the best teacher. We get the best teacher. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send you an advocate. He's going to be inside of you. It's going to be okay. And then he goes on to say this. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. This is like Jesus talking to the disciples, explaining why you have the Holy Spirit. He's going to send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. You know what I like about that? He's going to teach us all things. He's going to teach us all. Do you know what all things mean in the Greek? It means all things. He's going to teach us everything. So here's what this means. It means in the marketplace, 
There's no other person that has the most inside information than the Holy Spirit. Why aren't we praying? This side didn't understand that. At my best, at my best when I was in the market, some of you know I worked in a hospital for like 19 years in administration. When I was at the top of my game on those days, I didn't do this every day, but I would go in in the morning and I would pray. Holy Spirit, will you tell me what floor of the hospital I need to visit today so I can love on the staff who need the most love, so I can help out where I can? Will you just tell me? And I attribute my success in healthcare the last few years, I didn't do this every day, but I attribute my success because I invited the Holy Spirit and I tried to follow those tugs. The Holy Spirit's going to teach us everything. Bible. Holy Spirit's going to teach us about the Bible. There's no better interpreter of Scripture than the Holy Spirit. So when we read and those things stick out, that's likely the Holy Spirit. If you read something you don't understand, God, would you help me with this verse? can be very practical. I can remember uh, before I was a Christian, this was in my early 20s. I was 19, 20, 20. I would read the Bible, but I would read it for head knowledge, historical facts. It was kind of interesting. But then I would read things. I, I would not uh, connect with my heart. I, I did not change much. I was a stinker at that point in my life. Um, thank goodness there was no Facebook then. Um, so I, I would read it for historical knowledge, but it would never connect to my heart. When I said yes to Jesus a few years later, I don't know if this is for everybody, but it literally for me is like a switch got flipped on. And when I read scripture, I could remember it and it connected to my heart because it, it was relevant for that week or for the day. Or I cha- Does that connect with anybody else? Like the Holy Spirit was teaching me in the moment. When I sat down with Leroy, I had no idea what to say. The Holy Spirit taught me in the midst of that what to say. So you can write this down. This is the last feeling. Learning from the Holy Spirit and his impeccable timing. I love that word. The Holy Spirit has the best timing. But it requires being teachable. Which means we have to know him. Which means we have to say yes to Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and we've got to not go back and logic and reason our way out of those tugs or not look at the crazy things of the Bible or Pastor Steve did some pea-sized calcification and that's just kooky. We can't push those aside. We need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. We need to know him and follow those tugs. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.